0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Raven Steelers wasn't the only Wednesday action. Here's Auburn High and Thompson High. The 7-8 title game in Alabama. Alabama. Auburn up nine. Block punt with 28 seconds left. Thompson returns for the touchdown. 28-26. The onside kick. It's recovered by Thompson. High. A couple of pass interference penalties later. A wobbler. A Phil Negro knuckleball through the goalposts, and Thompson wins 29 to 28 at Bryant Denny Stadium, where Alabama plays. Ouch. Great for Thompson. Horrible. For Auburn high but there always has to be a winner and a loser in those situations and congratulations to Thompson condolences to Auburn Peter did you like
1: that I knew who Phil Necro was I'm very happy about that I know how much you love baseball the Necro brothers grew up not far from where I
0: grew up and when I grew up I was a huge baseball fan I just have evolved away from it. But I remember the movement of the knuckleball, and somehow that knuckleball of a field goal made it through, and Thompson won, and congratulations to them. And this is PFT Live on a Friday morning, getting you ready for Week 13. We have to go with highlights from a high school game because there was no game last night. The Cowboys-Ravens game moved to Tuesday, but we are on the brink of uh, an exciting and impactful Week 13 in the NFL. We're going to go through some of the big games, but I need to do this first, Peter, because we have – a surprisingly large fan base in the UK and in Ireland who watches the program on Sky Sports. And a thing has developed now. And they interact with me all the time. I get emails all the time. So now I'm getting periodic requests that we wish some of our most ardent and loyal fans a happy birthday. So this morning, I have to say happy birthday to Ree, who is also known by her friends as Harry, or more specifically, Harry Hobbit, because she's short, not because she has big, hairy feet. That is why they call her Harry Hobbit. A gigantic NFL fan, great person by all accounts, at least this friend of hers, paints a very lavish and positive picture of Re, a.k.a. Harry. So happy birthday, Re or Harry Hobbit, even though you don't have big, hairy feet. All right, so that's, that's become part of our existence now. And the only problem is, by doing this, Peter, I think we're going to end up doing You're it pretty inviting every more. day. I know I'm inviting more, but we ha- we appreciate the fact that the f- it's, I'm telling you, the 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 NFL fans in the UK and in Ireland are more zealous and more passionate than the average fans here, and I think it's because they they want it and they yeah they can't go see it they can't get it, and when the years they do have it, it's just a handful of games, but they they have an insatiable thirst for the NFL, and I and I love to see that.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, I went on one of those trips, uh, I think four years ago now, um, in which I followed some NFL players going throughout. Um, we went to Scotland and you know throughout uh, England, and we made four stops. And I remember one night every, after every one of the stops, I would just stay after and talk to whoever wanted to stay stay there because our hotel was always nearby and. And all that. So I stayed one night for probably an hour answering questions in Liverpool. And what I'll never forget is I asked somebody, I said, "I." I one guy pointed out to me, he asked me, this was in April, um, and this guy asked me, do you think that the Ravens might draft, uh, and I forget who it was, and I said, you know, the draft is about three weeks away right now, and... I haven't really gotten into who's going to go where. And he started telling me who he thought the Ravens should draft and being very specific about it. I said, how do you know all this stuff? And he said, Peter, we have the internet. And, and it, just, it, it, got, it got me to think that these people all over the world, basically all NFL fans are able to watch the game, are able to do things like, you know, watch NFL game pass, you know, and and in most cases, in most cases, they can watch whatever game they want. And so to me, I always look at this and I basically say that the NFL is now going to be everywhere. And to me, I think that's a great thing for this league because Mike, you know this, you know this. One of the things about gambling is that the NFL has to spread its wings. There is no guarantee that the next generation is going to be that kids who are 8, 10, 12 years old right now are going to fall in love with the NFL the same way that we did and that other generations have. The NFL has to seek all over the world the next huge fan base and the next, basically, whatever is next in the league. And that's why it's so important to encourage uh, y- you know, uh, viewers, listeners, readers all over the world.
0: And you take that finite inventory of 256 regular season games that will expand next year when they go to a 17-game schedule, but you take it and you expose it to as many people as possible. And the revenue continues to roll in as people purchase the opportunity to watch the games wherever they may live. And they get excited. They become passionate. They start ordering jerseys and hats and everything else that goes along with the experience. And it does make the NFL more successful. And you're right. There's that next generation. Although I'll tell you what, I got indoctrinated by football cards and electric football. Madden is the ultimate indoctrination tool for youth uh in in uh, the united states and elsewhere because if they had that game at the quality it's at now when i was a kid i probably never would have left the house not that i left the house much anyway but that's a different story altogether all right let's get ready for week 13 rams 7 and 4 cardinals 6 and 5 a a significant huge game in the division and in the playoff chase because if the cardinals lose all of a sudden they have to worry about not getting in at all here is rams quarterback jared goff from earlier this week he's been criticized publicly by coach Sean McVay. Here's Goff with his reaction to getting called out by his head coach.
2: If he was lying, I'd I'd, I'd feel differently about it. He's absolutely right. And and I'm a big boy, I can handle it. Um, You know, we have a great relationship and um, I'm accountable for myself. I I need to be better than that. I need to take care of the football. And um, he's absolutely right, and and I will. And I I have done that for majority of my entire football career and, and will continue to take care of the football better.
0: Three turnovers in the loss at home to the 49ers last week. Kyler Murray has not been the same guy since he threw the Hale Murray pass to DeAndre Hopkins nearly three weeks ago. They've lost two in a row since then. Which quarterback do you think is more likely to bounce back from recent
1: rough performances? You know, I think think it's probably more likely Goff because I think Goff, his biggest thing right now is that I think – Sean McVay does such a great job. And you've seen it over the last few years since he's been working with Jared Goff. McVay does a great job of looking at his quarterback and what he does well. And what I think he's going to do, one of the things that's so dangerous with the Rams offense, both with Cooper Cup and with Robert Woods, is a lot of the sort of the crossers And the places where they can get the ball in short space, you know, not far intermediate crossers, and then take them and use their speed and athletic ability and ability to make people miss and make big plays out of it. I'm reminded of the Marquise Brown play uh, on Wednesday, uh, you know, the, uh, the Trace McSorley to Marquise Brown play where, you know, Marquise Brown just makes people miss. And I think that's one of the great things about the Rams receivers. I would expect to see a lot of that uh, with Jared Goff this week.
0: Yeah, and, and that seems to be the identity of the Rams offense at this point. Post-Todd Gurley, they've tried to go with multiple running backs. I'd like to see them settle on one. I feel like they don't have much of an identity in the running game, and the passing game is the quick crosser, Robert Woods or Cooper Cup, and we see them take off and get what they can, and not a lot of the ball in the air down the field, not a lot of movement by Jared Goff, although they do the bootlegs, but, but he's not a guy that you have to worry about taking off with the football very often. He's, he's got limitations in his game. And uh, the turnovers clearly a concern, and we'll see what Sean McVay is able to do to get more out of him. But this is a big game for both of those teams, and they'll play twice now over the balance of the season, both Week 13 and Week 17. The Saints and the Falcons just got together a couple of weeks ago, and the story of that game was the debut of Taysom Hill once we knew that Taysom Hill was going to be the quarterback. Many believed throughout the course of the week it would be Jameis Winston. Hill now 2-0, and and... He gets another crack at the Falcons, but the Falcons get another crack at him. One of the things Sims thinks is that the Falcons will take away the run game and force Taysom Hill to finally throw the ball. If that's the case, do you think Hill is at the point where he can
1: run that offense from a passing perspective without the run threat? He's going to have his opportunity, Mike. I think Chris is absolutely right. In talking to Raheem Morris this week, I think he's got his defense. I don't know if you watched a lot of their game. The other day, but I was convinced after watching that game against the Raiders the other day that Raheem Morris has added something to that defense. And that is a physicality and a real hunting aspect to that defense that really had not been there uh, in the first four games of the season. And when I look at that game and how frustrated, you know, there are two or three times where you could just see. Derek Carr was hugely frustrated in that game. And I think this defense is playing energetically. And this defense, absolutely unequivocally, they will try to make, uh, you know, they're going to try to make Taysom Hill throw the ball. And if they do, that's why I think this is, if I were looking at the game, remember, you know, Mike, when, when we used to be at football night and Dan Patrick would walk in and he would say, Yep, here's the upset pick this week. I like the Bengals over the Dolphins. Everybody would say, oh, you're crazy. And then at 4 o'clock that afternoon, we'd say, oh, my God. You know, Bengals killed the Dolphins. What happened? What did you know, Dan? And I think this would be Dan's game this week, uh, Atlanta over New Orleans. Yeah, he was right like 90% of the time. It
0: was eerie. He really was. Uh, It was uncanny, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it it was the old EF Hutton thing. When he would start muttering about the upset, we'd all stop and listen to what Dan had to say because he was right far more often than not. Raheem Morris showing that he may be the right guy for the job, Peter. And, you know, I'm always a little leery of making the interim coach the permanent coach. The only time that's ever really worked out long term was when Jeff Fisher became the interim coach of the – Houston Oilers in 1994 I mean it kind of worked with Jason Garrett although I don't think at the end of the day he was as successful as people hoped he would be specifically Jerry and Stephen Jones but my, my concern is that you see an artificial bump from the players who are in the locker room because they don't want a new boss deciding who stays and who goes so let's go out and play extra hard for the interim coach he gets the job and then we can go back to stinking again next year. I just, I just, I've seen that movie so many times. I get leery about that. And uh, now that said, Raheem Morris has had an opportunity to earn the job on the fly, and he's got five more games to do it. And if he gets to eight and three, or nine and two, or even seven and four with a team that was zero and five, how do you not make him a serious candidate?
1: Here's the thing that Raheem Morris has to do, and Mike, he knows it. They have a schedule down the stretch in which they face the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Bucs twice. Okay, so those are four games that probably in every game they're going to be the underdog. So in those four games, somehow, way, he's got to find a way to win two of them. He just does. If you look at their schedule down the stretch, you know, somehow, someway, Raheem Morris has got to get three wins out of that group. And maybe four. But, you know, I do think the difference in that team, especially on defense, is so noticeable when you watch them now. The energy they're playing with, the passion, the physicality. Deion Jones is playing at a a Pro Bowl level right now. And I don't think he was the first five games of the season. So we'll see what happens. But I think he's got his work cut out for him. But either here or somewhere else, if they play well down the stretch, he's going to either get an interview or he's going to get a job. Another dynamic
0: to point out, Peter, something you said in relation to the Lions at the end of last hour, hire the GM, let the GM hire the coach. What will that dynamic be as the Falcons look for a GM? Are you going to hire a GM and tie the GM's hands by saying, we've already decided Raheem Morris is going to be the coach? That limits your universe of potential GM candidates if part of the job is, we've already hired your first head coach, even though you have other candidates in mind. So I think that complicates it as well.
1: If the Falcons do want to go in that direction, it could make it harder to get the GM that they want. I think it would be unfair to hire a GM and say your coach is Raheem Morris. Um, I think it would be fair to say we're hiring you and we're going to sit down and figure out if our coach is Raheem Morris. Or if there's somebody else you feel is better for it, let's interview him and let's make that decision. The one difference here is where we said in Detroit, hire the GM, let the GM make that decision look, Arthur Blank and Rich McKay are going to sign off on this coach. Uh, You know They've been there too long, and I don't think they're going to abdicate their responsibility hiring a GM and then saying, oh, we're going to get out of the way. You hire the coach. Rich McKay, another example of
0: the best job to have in football. Team president pays well, and you don't get fired, uh, even when everybody else does. I'm not saying Rich McKay should. I'm just making the observation, if you're the team president – you are golden because when the purge comes, you're still standing. All right, the Browns and Titans, somebody's gonna be standing at nine and three when this one is done. Now, this is a game, Peter. I'm conflicted on this one. Because I look at it on the surface and I say, this is a clash of Titans, literally in one respect. Eight and three and eight and three. This is game of the week material. Remember back when we were kids and they'd have that half hour package devoted to the game of the week? It was. Harry Callis yeah. or John Facenda doing the narration with the slow motion NFL films. You always wonder which game is the game of the week. This should be it. But until the Browns can prove to me that they can beat a great team, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to scoff and say, yeah, they're eight and three, but they fattened up on lesser opponents and they can't beat
1: great teams. Am I right or am I wrong? Look, I look at, what they've done in three of their big games. And again, you're going to say, well, of course, you're going to pick out their three losses. Six points against the Baltimore Ravens, lose by 32. Uh, Seven points against the Steelers, lose by 31. Six points against the Raiders in a quagmire at home, lose by 10. And you're right, Mike. I mean, they have had some nice wins this year. Uh, You know, they've beaten the Colts. Uh, they won at Dallas when that still seemed like a big deal so this is a good team <laughs> this is a good team but I still want to see Baker Mayfield stand in there make some huge plays and win a game when he doesn't have to rely on his running game and Miles Garrett uh, you know to me I just I, I still am skeptical about Baker Mayfield maybe he'll prove me wrong uh, but at this point I think a game like this is up to Baker Mayfield. Uh, He's got to make big plays on the road against a really good team and especially against a ground-hugging offense that likes to eat the clock dramatic difference in Baker
0: Mayfield's performance against teams below 500 and everyone else. 7-0 and against teams under 500, 1-3 against the rest of the NFL. The Colts was the signature win for the Browns this year. And Baker Mayfield reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins in that if the running game is there and you have time to run the pass offense and do the bootlegs and get out of the pocket, no one's chasing you because the play action has frozen the linebackers and you have time to read the field and see who's open, then it's fine. But when the run game isn't there and Baker Mayfield is harassed, he's not one of those quarterbacks that when the walls close in and the play that you've called isn't working, can improvise and make something happen like the truly great quarterbacks. Now, he's good enough, but as the Browns search for better than good enough, I I, I hate to say it because I, I'm still kind of on the fence about what Baker Mayfield is going to be. But so am I. I'm kind of on the fence. I'm on the fence about what he's going to be. And he needs one of these signature wins that make us say, wow, he stepped up in a big moment, in a big spot. He made the big throw with a guy in his face and completed it 30 yards down the field. And they won a game that they were supposed to lose until they do that. That's how we're going to view them. A team that is getting the absolute most out of what it has, but that it doesn't have enough
1: to be among the best teams in the conference or in the league. Look, what happened when it looked like that Freddie Kitchens was the answer for Baker Mayfield because they had such great chemistry together. Freddie Kitchens gets the job. Baker Mayfield, I, I don't want to say he's a disaster, but he did not play well. And so now they come back again for another bite at the apple. And they take the guy who loses out to to uh, Freddie Kitchens in that job. And they hire Kevin Stefanski. And Kevin Stefanski comes in praising Baker Mayfield to the nines and he's he's great. And so far this year it's been totally a mixed bag. You know, Baker Mayfield is completing 61% of his passes. I don't know what the average in the league is, but that's below the league average. You got a you have a head coach who's a quarterback coach, you know, who's with you every single day and who's making who's calling plays designed to make you successful can't be completing 61% of your throws. So that's got to improve. And we'll see if it starts this week in Nashville. And it's going to be a challenge because the Titans,
0: after going through a rough spot, middle of the season, they've rediscovered that they need to ride Derrick Henry as long as they can. He's been phenomenal. The last two weeks had the big run to win the overtime game in Baltimore took over against the Colts. And Ryan Tannehill told me after the game, we just have to roll with Derrick Henry as long as we possibly can. We've seen him come on strong 2018-2019 late in the year, and he's got a big push now. And he's over 1,200 rushing yards already with five games left. If he keeps playing like he has the last couple of weeks, he's going to finish with one of the best individual seasons for a running back in nfl history and it's going to get the titans a division title and maybe a good spot in the postseason all right let's take a break when we return a little faster look at week 13 speed round edition of some of the other games we'll do that next here on pft live
2: around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait but Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I've really enjoyed uh, all the special moments here, so many of them. And like I said, I just feel really fortunate to have grown up here, you know, and, and, uh, and just had a lot of a lot of great memories that I've made here that I'll take with me one day. Um, hopefully that day isn't uh, too soon, but, um, yeah, if you had told that 21-year-old you'd be still sitting here at 37, I'd uh, be pretty happy about that, as happy as I am today to still be here.
0: Probably not a coincidence that Aaron Rodgers shaved off that beard that was starting to make him look like Willie Nelson. He's a lot more fresh-faced and youthful now at 37 <laughs> As the Green Bay Packers quarterback, I'm, I'm I'm exaggerating just a little bit. Not quite Willie Nelson, but it definitely made him look a little grizzled and haggard. Peter looks good now with the cleaner face and uh, happy birthday, Aaron Rodgers. Your birthday present is a bad Eagles team. Not nearly the Eagles team that went into Lambeau Field on a Thursday night last season and beat the Green Bay Packers. So speed round time. Let's start with that game. 3-7-1 Eagles, 8-3 Packers. Eagles' best
1: chance at upsetting the Packers is... What, Peter? Spotting Jalen Hurts in the lineup, throwing change-up pitches against the Green Bay defense, and basically playing every game the rest of the way like it's a fire drill. And I've heard it said this week, oh boy, you don't want to hurt uh, Carson Wentz's confidence even more. Well, my reaction to that is, I'd like Carson Wentz to start playing great football. He's not doing that right now. This is not a time where you put your arm around Carson Wentz and say, you're our quarterback till the end of time. This is a time when you put your arm around Carson Wentz and saying, we have to do what's best for the team to win this game. You need to understand. And there's got to be some tough love right now. I hope Doug Peterson does it. Yeah, I agree with you. The best chance
0: for the Eagles is to quit waiting for Carson Wentz Who's groping through the dark for the light switch to find it? He can't find it, so you have to come up with something else. And Doug Peterson, the head coach, acknowledged on Thursday, or at least it's been reported, he hasn't acknowledged. It's been reported that he's given up some of the play-calling obligations. They got to shake things up. We've seen them the past couple of years find the gas pedal late in the season. They were five and seven last year. They won their final four and they won the division. So they they roughly know the formula when the right level of urgency is applied, and maybe that'll happen this week. I doubt it, but maybe it will. Giants, 4-7 and at the 8-3 Seahawks. The Giants' best chance of upsetting
1: Seattle in their own building is what, Peter? I think forcing three turnovers, Mike. uh, I don't see them being able to play this game on equal footing, but what I do see them able to do is being able to pressure Russell Wilson, hem him in, and really bother him. Uh, they are going to have this is going to have to be a turnover game for the Giants to have a good chance
0: yeah keep it close find a way to keep it close kind of that plotting effort that we saw from the Eagles for a lot of last week's game until the Seahawks began to pull away but but just do everything you can Uh, shorten the game have long possessions on offense hope that Daniel Jones can find a way to play that would be a big part of it as well Broncos 4-7 and seven at the 10-1 and one Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes and company in primetime on Sunday night football. The good news for the Broncos is they will have quarterbacks in this game. Even with <laughs> a real quarterback under center, the best chance of scoring the upset is what, Peter?
1: I mean, I don't know, Mike. I, I'd like to – you probably have to say just what we just said about the Giants. You know, this has got to be a turnover fest, in my opinion, for Denver to have a chance. I just haven't seen it in Drew Locke. Now, maybe you say, okay, Drew Locke's going home. Drew Locke's got a lot to prove after the embarrassment of last week. Uh, and, and so, but I, he's not going to be able to play head-to-head with, with Patrick Mahomes. You know, for the Broncos to win this game, they've got to have, a, in my opinion, they've got to have a significant turnover advantage.
0: Yeah, don't single cover Tyreek Hill. That would be job number one. But also, the thing about the Chiefs, because every week they are playing a team that is coming after them aggressively, that knows that this is a big game for them. It's a measuring stick game for them. And some games we see that focus slip for the Kansas City Chiefs. Hell, it slipped after they were up 17 nothing against the Buccaneers on Sunday. That's the one big flaw with the Chiefs. They still find a way to overcome more often than not. But they do lose focus. They lose their edge. They lose their magic. And they seem to be better when they're playing a great team. So you, you just hope that this is going to be a week where maybe they're sleepwalking a little bit. And maybe you can catch them flat-footed and turn it into a game like the Raiders did. But you got to be able to score points, too. Because even on a down day when they lose, they're still good for 30 points, Peter.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that's why you have to really try to force the turnovers. And you talked about it with Tyreek Hill. Study the Patriots tape um, from the AFC Championship game, uh, whatever, three years ago. Study that tape and see if that tape shows you, or two years ago, see if that tape shows you the, the differences in coverage that you have to put on Tyreek Hill. Which is, to me... Justin Simmons over the top on Tyreek Hill almost every snap.
0: And Look, teams in your division tend to play you a little more aggressively, a little more a little more tough than, than the teams you don't play all the time. They play them twice a year. They face them out in Denver. They, one of the first games where we really noticed Patrick Mahomes in 2018, he was down 10 points in the fourth quarter against the Denver Broncos. So, you know, they, they've got a team, despite their record, That has some capable players and Vic Fangio, a capable coach. And uh, when he has a quarterback, maybe he he can put together a defense that can slow down Patrick Mahomes and company just enough so their offense can score the points necessary. Colts and Texans get together for the first time this year. Texans have been trending in the right direction, winning a couple in a row, beating the Patriots embarrassing the lions on Thanksgiving Deshaun Watson. If he was with a team that was a playoff contender would be potentially an MVP candidate. Here come the Colts up and down at seven and four, the confounding loss at home to the Titans, a team they had beaten a couple of weeks earlier. Do you have more faith in a humbled Colts defense bouncing back or Deshaun Watson extending his current run of greatness to four wins in five opportunities, Peter.
1: You know, in my, my opinion, Mike, I have more faith. This is, this is a game that I look at that I think is trouble for the Indianapolis Colts. Not that I would sit here and say, take the mortgage money and, and, and put it on Houston. I don't necessarily feel that strongly about it. I just know that since Bill O'Brien walked out the door, you know, I did this in my column this week. If you compare uh, Deshaun Watson To probably the two best quarterbacks playing right now, uh, other than him, (laughs) you know, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, and and you know Russell Wilson as well. But if you compare him to Aaron Rodgers and and Patrick Mahomes right now, in the last seven weeks, he is on a par with both of them, and he's got a better passer rating than both of them. He's been more accurate than both of them, and so to me. I think this is the sign of a quarterback playing with extreme confidence, who's been playing with a little bit of one hand tied behind his back because of injuries at times. But to me, I think coming off the 10 days of rest after Thanksgiving, this is, I think, a real pothole game for the Indianapolis Colts.
0: Deshaun Watson's odds, according to points bet for MVP, are at plus 10,000. That means bet 100, win $10,000 if he's the MVP. And the team's not going to do well enough for him to get into the MVP conversation. But he is on the fringes there, equal with Tom Brady and equal with Tyreek Hill at plus 10,000 odds. Uh, I, 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 let's see what happens. You know, they keep winning. And he keeps being the one-man band, especially now that Will Fuller is gone for the rest of the year. They've released Kenny Stills. He doesn't have the help around him. David Johnson's been gone. He may be back sooner rather than later. But if they can just keep going, if they can – and some of these other teams are fading, you never know. I don't know that 9-7 and seven gets you in, and I don't know that they have a realistic chance at getting to 9-7. and seven, But it's just exciting to see Deshaun Watson standing out. And, and it makes that job very intriguing because – this is going to be a very happy Makes coach, that job the January. most
1: intriguing. Yeah, yeah it, it, absolutely. you're right, Mike. That job, now all of a sudden, somebody asked me yesterday, what's the best job out there? And I said, look, I understand the cap is not great. I understand you're missing three very high draft choices in the next two years. I get it. My issue is, what does every coach, what does every general manager do? What do they want to do when they start a team or when they take a job? They want to have a great quarterback on the roster. You can figure out everything else, and that's exactly the way I would feel if I were Eric Enemy right now, or if I, you name the 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 coach right now who's the most desirable coach? Robert Sala, I you name him, Josh McDaniels. I don't know who it is, but you name him. Maybe even Brendan Staley, who's my upset pick uh with the los angeles rams defensive coordinator whoever it is if i'm that guy i want even with all the front office mayhem that's the job i want yeah and 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 that that's one thing i would want to know and I, i don't
0: want to make this gratuitous but if i was a candidate for the gm or the head coaching job in houston i would want to know where does jack easterby fit in my line of reporting to the owner of the team do i report to easterby Is he floating around as kind of an unofficial supervisor? I want to know how this culture that he's creating affects my job and my ability to put together the most successful team that I possibly can. The Raiders and the Jets get together. Last year, the Raiders lost 34-3 to the Jets. This year, the Raiders are 6-5 reeling after the 43-6 loss to the Falcons. Jets just looking for one win, unless they don't want to win and want Trevor Lawrence. But uh, could we see... Could we see for the second straight week and the second straight year the Raiders embarrassed uh, by a lesser team?
1: I mean, anything is possible in the NFL, but to me, this is a significantly different Jets team with a lot less fight than it had a year ago. You know, it seemed like last year on defense, Greg Williams' defense was, was backyard brawlers, and when Jamal Adams was right, Uh, This was a defense that was in the teens in the NFL in terms of a tough defense to face. It isn't that right now. And do you trust anybody on offense? Uh, You know, they have a good receiving core right now that is back, that is better than it has been. But do you trust anybody on offense to make enough plays to beat the Raiders? I don't. Um, And again... That was a shock last week when they got blown out in Atlanta. I just can't see them losing to the Jets on the road. In a week that John Gruden, I am positive, has made it miserable to be a Las Vegas Raider.
0: Yeah, and, and I think to a certain extent the loss to the Falcons is a disqualifying moment for the Raiders that should keep them out of the postseason. If they lose to the Jets and fall to 6-6 six and six and have back-to-back losses to losing teams, especially the Jets, they're done. It's over. Maybe the Texans do have a path to the postseason because you can kick the Raiders to the curb. Before we take a break here, because we've got the Show Me Something draft coming up, the NFL has announced the players of the month i just want to run through them real quickly no big surprises patrick mahomes the afc offensive player of the month dalvin cook of the vikings the nfc offensive player of the month tj watt it could have been jj tj watt the defensive player of the month in the afc cameron jordan defensive player of the month in the nfc and rookies of the month offensive justin herbert defensive jeremy chin first guy since 1948 to have multiple fumble returns for a touchdown in the same game all right let's uh, go ahead and take a quick break when we return it's time for the weekly friday draft show me something we'll do that next here on pro football talk Live. Aaron are you seeing anything different on film that Kyler is able to do this season that he wasn't able to do last season
1: you can just say he's playing more confident um feeling look, look more a little bit more comfortable being in his second year so uh, He's playing better football than
0: he
2: was last year. So, um, And he got some good guys around him that's helping him as well. So, um, you know, we got our hands full, but, you know, we prepare for the challenge and we're ready.
0: Aaron Donald talking about the task of chasing around Kyler Murray, one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the NFL. Show me something, time, Peter, for week 13. I have a trivia question for you. If you get it right, you get the first pick. Which quarterback is Aaron Donald? sacked the most times in his career? Uh Russell Wilson. There are the horns. The horns. No, there are the horns. You are correct, sir. You get the first pick
1: in the show me something draft. You didn't ask me how I knew that. How do you know that? No one else in his division, he, he's, he's played regularly other than Russell Wilson. Every time... The Rams have played the Niners since or the Rams have played the Seahawks since Aaron Donald has been in the league. Russell Wilson's been the quarterback. It was that fantastic power of deduction that I possessed. <laughs>
0: well, well well done. Well done. And for that, all you all get right. is first pick. No prize, no
1: trophy, no all money. Right. Just first pick. Look, show me something, Kyler Murray. And Look, I, I'm like, I'm in the Kyler Murray fan club just like everybody else. But, you know, after the, uh, you know, the Hale Murray, you know, he's had less than impressive performances, you know, basically against uh, Seattle and against New England. He now gets the Rams at home. And the reason I say show me something this week and why he's number one on my list is that you have to figure... That Jalen Ramsey is going to do a lot to. He has been used all over the map by the Rams on defense this year. He's even been used in the slot. He's been used back sort of as almost a roaming safety at times. So I expect him to be used a lot on DeAndre Hopkins. And that is going to mean whether it's Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, you know, he's going to, Kyler Murray's going to have to find a plan B this week. And so this is a huge game for uh, the Cardinals playing at home. And so show me something, Kyler Murray. Good news for Kyler Murray. Fully participated in practice on
0: Thursday. He's got that shoulder injury that happened a couple of weeks ago in the Thursday night game against the Seattle Seahawks. Hasn't been the same guy since the Hail Murray. And I still feel like the Cardinals thought they won something. Like they 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 got a level of euphoria that it took them a while to come down from and go back to reality. And the reality is they're 0-2 since then and clinging to their playoff lives in the NFC. Baker Mayfield, show me something. For reasons we discussed earlier in the program, they all apply. This is your opportunity. If you beat a great team, then we'll start believing you can beat other great teams. Beat the Titans. We'll take you very seriously next weekend against the Ravens. And we will look at the Browns as a team that maybe could deliver the first loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 17 if the Steelers otherwise keep winning, which is a bit of a long shot. But still, the Browns have to beat a good team before we think they can beat good teams. Baker Mayfield has to step up and play well against a good team. And here's the thing about the Tennessee Titans. It's not like they have a great pass rush. It's not like they have a crippling defense. So, yeah, maybe Mayfield could have a good game. That's what they're going to need in order
1: to show that they are truly here as a contender in the NFL, Peter. Show me something, Jalen Hurts. Look, you're going to get an opportunity. I will be shocked if you have one or two or three snaps in this game in Green Bay. This is going to be the time for Jalen Hurts to show that he belongs at least as a middle relief pitcher or a spot starter, uh, you know. Over the last five weeks of the season, the Eagles are counting on him. The Eagles are counting on some production on the out of the quarterback position they haven't had. And look, I'm making a jump here, and I'm making a guess here, but I believe that this is going to be a Jalen Hurts opportunity week. So show me something. Show
0: me something, Derek Carr. It wasn't that long ago where. The shine around Carr was beginning to approach the year that he was a fringe MVP candidate. Up until that Thursday night game in Kansas City, he was a serious shortlist, talking point MVP possibility. Had the broken leg late in the year. Raiders made it to the playoffs but didn't last with their backup. Uh, they need Derek Carr to step up after last week's debacle in Atlanta, and it was truly a debacle, three lost fumbles and an interception, no passing touchdowns, blown off the field, a disqualifying moment, as I said earlier, for the Las Vegas Raiders. They need Carr to step up, and and it should be easy. They're not playing the 85 Bears here, but he needs to reestablish himself quickly so they can go into the last four games of the season forgetting about what happened last week.
1: You know, Mike, this is going to be a little bit of a surprise, but show me something Phillip Rivers you know, normally you would look at a game between Indianapolis and Houston with Indianapolis 3 wins better and you would say, "Ah, you know, the Colts have got this one." I'm not so sure. Over the last 4 weeks since Houston's bye, the Texans are 3 and 1, Indianapolis is 2 and 2. They've had some great moments from Philip Rivers and some not so great moments. Philip Rivers was brought to Indianapolis to take the Colts to the playoffs. To ensure a spot in the playoffs, you can't be losing to the Houston Texans in a big division game in December. Show me something, Phillip Rivers.
0: My next one is still technically part of week 13, even though it's four days away. Show me something, Dez Bryant. You're getting your chance. You've wanted it for several years now. You're going against the Dallas Cowboys, and the Ravens desperately need a win, and they need that spark. And if there's ever going to be a spark from Des Bryant, it's going to come on Tuesday night against the Cowboys. They should have Lamar Jackson back from the COVID-19 list, and the last time Jackson and Bryant were on the field together, Bryant was the leading receiver among all wide receivers, not the leading receiver for the team because of Mark Andrews, but four catches for 58 yards for Bryant, Let's see if he can be a difference maker, and let's see if he can provide an emotional lift for a Ravens team that desperately needs to beat the Cowboys on Tuesday night, Peter.
1: Um, My last one, Mike, is show me something, uh, Drew Locke. And look, I don't think that the Denver Broncos are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know how you could think that. But what I am thinking is that John Elway walks into his office every Monday, and I'm sure at some point during the week he closes his door and he starts looking at tape of college quarterbacks. And Drew Locke has it in his ability, in his presence, in his own play to stop John Elway from drafting a quarterback in the first round next April. It's on Drew Locke's shoulders. These are the kind of games, the games that you have no business winning. These are the kind of games where you say to yourself, I am playing Patrick Mahomes this week. I'm playing in my hometown. I'm going to show everybody I belong in this league as a starter, and I will be a winning player in the NFL. If I was Drew Locke, that's what I would be thinking this week, and that's what I will be watching for this week. A 30 to 27 loss, or something like that, but a loss that he goes head to head with Patrick Mahomes and he shows John Elway. I don't want you to be looking at the Florida quarterback, the BYU quarterback, the North Dakota State quarterback. I am your quarterback, you know, and continuing
0: with a theme that we've been addressing as it relates to team presidents who seem to have lifetime jobs, John Elway. Never accountable in Denver because they don't have an owner. Changing out coaches, changing out quarterbacks. He's the guy who's making these decisions, and they're not working. And we thought Locke was going to be the guy. Injuries and a level of ineffectiveness that we didn't anticipate when we saw him kind of land on the scene last year. Remember that upset win over the Texans? He's doing the Buzz Lightyear stuff. He's having a good time. He's a breath of fresh air. We thought he was on track to be a franchise quarterback. He's got a lot to prove And what an opportunity to do it with a Sunday night audience, watching Patrick Mahomes, tuning in to see the Chiefs, and maybe being surprised pleasantly by what they see from Drew Locke. Last one for me, show me something, Daryl Bevel. You've waited a long time for a chance to be a head coach or the interim head coach of the Detroit Lions. This is your opportunity. This is your chance. And it's not just the artificial interim head coach bounce that you may get against the Chicago bears. There's an element, Peter of ding dong. The witch is dead for the Detroit lions. And, and uh, there, there could be some positive energy there for bevel to harness and go into Chicago and extend their losing streak to six games and, and, and maybe, man, look, the Lions aren't done yet at 4-7, and seven. get to 5-7, and seven. maybe finish at 500, maybe make himself a candidate down the stretch, even though I don't like what it does for the team next year, but maybe win enough games and make enough noise that he gets taken seriously by the Lions or someone
1: else as
0: a coaching candidate at some point.
1: It's a great observation. There will be a little bit of the ding-dong-the-witch-is-dead Uh, bounce from the Lions, I think. And look, I don't think that there was nearly uh, the enmity in either, honestly, in either Atlanta or Houston that there there will be in Detroit. Uh, And both the Atlanta Falcons and the Houston Texans have played good to very good football since their head coaches were fired. So normally, I think, Mike, Normally we would say, ah, what good does it do to get an interim coach? It just gives the fans their their pound of flesh, you know, in firing the coach. But in two cases this year, there have been great examples that firing the coach after four or five games is a great idea because it's worked in two places this year.
0: And that's not good news in a copycat league where 2021 rolls around, and if teams struggle, they may say, "Hey, it worked last year for the Falcons. It worked last year for the Texans. Let's go ahead and fire our coach." And Peter, for me, the thing that really was telling in Detroit when Matthew Stafford was asked after the loss to the Texans on Thanksgiving about Matthew or about uh, Matt Patricia's status, he said, uh, "That's not my decision. If you want to ask me about the game, ask me about the game." Uh oh. That was everything we needed to know about what ultimately happened on Saturday. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the 49ers have relocated out of California for the next few weeks. Could two of the other California teams be not far behind? We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. There's your lineup on Peacock every weekday. The NBC Sports Channel begins with PFT Live, and we'll see you again later today with PFT PM at 5 o'clock Eastern. And who knows what other news we may see by then. Peter, how about this one from Charles Robinson of Yahoo? With Santa Clara County forcing the 49ers out of the area, and obviously now in Arizona, the NFL has had communications with both of the L.A. franchises about a potential forced move in the coming weeks and because of the pandemic and you look at the restrictions that are coming back into place in california and los angeles county we are just a news cycle away possibly from the same dynamic you talked about earlier with the san francisco 49ers players finding out all via text or news alert simultaneously they got a move that may happen to uh to the uh chargers and the rams
1: the difficult part of this is mike who wants them You know, where are you (laughs) going to go? You almost have to, you really, you almost have to pick um, an NFL franchise somewhere in the West. You know, maybe you could relocate uh, to Dallas. Maybe you could relocate to Denver, but it's hard to say, let's say, oh, we'll go to the university of Oregon or whatever. First of all, the governor of the state of Oregon is probably not going to want that won't not going to want people to come in. Secondly, the NFL is gonna to have to go in there to find out, you know, what are the facilities like? What you know, and where are you gonna practice, where are you staying, all that other stuff. I mean, so to me, if if they have to move, I think you should focus on a non-Arizona Western site. There aren't very many of them. You've gotta have an NFL stadium because you have to have the real
0: time high-speed, state-of-the-art communication pipeline to 345 Park Avenue. Jerry Jones would take them all on if he could. He'd put 30,000 yeah. people in the stands for every game. Bring them on. Give me all of them. I think the Rams definitely would end up in Dallas, and I think the Chargers quite possibly would end up in Las Vegas
1: if it comes to that, Peter. I Look, wherever it happens, it's going to be inconvenient, and you're going to have a lot of fodder next week, Mike.
0: All right, we've gotten through the two hours without a Thursday night game to talk about, but plenty of action to come this weekend. Enjoy the games on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. We'll see you later this afternoon on Peacock for PFTPM. Have a great day.
2: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?